0: Good evening, church family. My name is Pramila. Today we are reading Bible from Romans chapter 5, verse 12 to 21. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 to 21. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification, and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came into into increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through the righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord.
1: This is the word of God. Well, thank you and welcome. And uh, hello, church. Uh, It is great to be here with you tonight, but I feel like I may have come on the wrong week. Sounds like I should be here in two weeks' time when you have your celebration uh, Sunday. So I encourage you to make the most of that because I'll be back in Australia uh, by that stage. Now, the other thing I hope is that Uh, Being that you're Africans and you speak lots of languages, that you also speak Australian because that's the only language I speak. Uh, But it might help uh, as we go if you do have your Bibles open to uh, the passage, Romans 5. We'll be working our way through that and it's a great joy to be able to share this with you. Before we go any further though, let me pray uh, because I need God's help, you need God's help uh, and it's a good way uh, to ask for it. Father, you are the God who set Paul apart as your apostle that the gospel might be made known, that people might know how the promises of long ago are fulfilled in Jesus, the same Jesus who is the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection. Help us now then to understand what you caused Paul to write for us, that we might be brought to the obedience of faith. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Well, our world is in a mess. It's impossible to miss this when you consider all that is happening. Viruses have caused suffering and fear. There are wars ripping countries apart. There is crime that brings hurt and loss. And the Bible book of Romans speaks to such suffering. The opening chapters affirm that it is the result of mankind rejecting God that what our world suffers is a sign of judgment that we are all under. Wonderfully, though, Romans also gives hope to those who trust Jesus. Indeed, chapter 5 opens with the idea of enjoying peace with God, something that was made possible by God's kindness shown to people, as you will read of in verses 1 to 5. People who were, at the time, enemies to him, according to verses 6 to 10. No wonder then Paul, by the time he gets to verse 11, the author of this book speaks of rejoicing in God. Indeed, one person summarises where Paul has taken his readers in his letters so far this way. He has taken us to the depths of human depravity and to the heights of divine mercy. But after this we come to a transition moment as we come to our passage tonight that begins with that word therefore linking us to it. Here Paul begins to move to expand the implications before later he will move to application in chapter 12. He explains in more detail how we came to be in such a world where people find themselves under God's wrath and judgement yet also how people can know the peace and rejoicing that Paul has spoken of. He does this by speaking of two men that have greatly impacted our world. Two men, in fact, that were the heads of humanity. The first being Adam, the first man made by God. The other being Jesus, who Paul presents as a second Adam. And it starts with Paul calling people to confess your condition In Adam. For sin and death entered this world in Adam. Look at verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. Point here is to explain how sin and death came to be in the world. Paul says sin came through one man, which is the first man God made, Adam. A point that is confirmed in verse 4 and fits with the fact that Adam means mankind. But why is this man blamed? What did he do? Well, he rejected God's rule by eating fruit that God said not to. A sin that was deliberate, a way of rejecting God's rule and not just the result of deception. This brought physical death into the world, which pictured the spiritual death to God. Sadly, though, this sin and death extended to all. Again, verse 12. So death spread to all men because all sinned. See, Paul blames Adam for sin and death entering, but notes this impacts all. But how do all sin in Adam? What is meant by this? Well, one option is to say that all men copied his sin. But this really denies the idea of sin being in all. And the language is not that we sin like Adam, but that all sinned. So option two, Adam is presented as a representative of humanity. This is the idea of Adam as a representative head of all mankind. When he sinned, the human race sinned as all humanity was in him. And option two fits best because all of us die, which is the punishment for sin. Paul is saying that none of us can point the finger in innocence at Adam. He says we share his guilt and fate because we sinned in him. He was created to represent us and our actions perfectly. Now you might think this representation idea is unfair. If so, please wait for what is to come. For there is good news that outweighs the bad. Sadly though, Adam's sin means that sin is now the natural makeup of all people. We cannot escape sin. And as a result, death. As verified in verse 13, when sin and death becomes shown as evident for all. For sin indeed was in the world, says Paul, before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Paul's point here is to establish that the law is not responsible for sin's entrance, that it was here before the law. That so, whether you have the law or without the law people are equally sinful. Having said that, though, the law does make sins explicit. It reveals them and so allows them to be counted against a person. And as a result, sin and death exerts a rule over all. Look at verse 14. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. Paul presents death as like a king with sin as his servant, a king whose reign is universal and unstoppable. A truth, Paul says, even applies before the giving of the law to Israel. That is, from the time to Adam to Moses. Even on those who sin without breaking a particular command then, which is what Adam did when he chose to rebel in the garden. So death has a say on all lives. The law wasn't able to stop it. It wasn't the solution. And we are seeing Paul's view of everyone in the world, whether they are South African or Australian or others. They are all sinners and so death spreads to all. And we can know this truth by the fact that every city has a cemetery. Yet we get a hint that death will not get the last word. For we are told that Adam is a mere preview of another one to come. Think about the coming World Cup. Now, sorry about South Africa, but in good news, Australia will be there. Now, of course, I might get lynched at this point. Now, of course, I'm not saying that the entire population of Australia will be at the World Cup. What I mean is our team will go there to compete. Sadly, I don't think we're going to do that well, but we will be there. The point is, our team, the socceroos, represents us. So I can speak as if Australia is at the World Cup. So, in them, all of us Australians are also there in one sense. If they win, we win. When they lose, we lose. Paul here in Romans 5 is using a similar type of idea, saying that Adam is a representative of all people, so that we are in him. Sadly, the result is that sin and death entered our world, which extended to all, with the law making it explicit for all to see, and as the final result, sin and death exerts its rule over all. This calls us to confess our condition and reflect on it, The truths here help us understand our world and ourselves. It explains why there is suffering and death in our world, why we face viruses and other troubling matters, why there is violence and deception. It is because Adam decided against God's good design for life. Sin is not from God, but Adam. His act of rebellion meant sin and death entered into humanity. Let us not escape, though, what God says to us here through Paul. He says we have all sinned. And he's made this plain already in chapter 3, verse 23. These are challenging truths for those who think the best of mankind. But we must take it on. Will you accept what this means? That you are under the death penalty. You are responsible for the cross of Christ. Christ. It also means this church, like my own church, is full of sinners and will not be perfect. So the church must be a place that welcomes sinners. In sum, Paul says our condition is that all have sinned in Adam. Do you believe it? Will you confess it? Now, if we think this is unfair, please come with me and see what comes next as we celebrate the contrast in Christ. Adam, yes, is a preview of the Christ or Saviour, but thankfully not in everything. You see, they both represent humanity and are turning points in history. Paul, however, in verses 15 to 17, emphasises the contrast of Adam to Christ in which we learn of how much greater Christ is than Adam, seen in the use of phrases here such as not like and how much more. First, there is a contrast of character, one of self-will versus self-sacrifice. Look at verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God. And the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Adam's sin was one in which he chose to do what pleased himself. Contrast this to the cause behind Christ's one act. For we hear of the grace of one man and God's undeserved gift. This, says Paul, overflows, abounds to many, so emphasises that it is more than enough. But what is this gift? It is Christ himself. As Paul has set out in Romans 3:23 to 26. And so we see a contrast of Adam's self-will versus Christ's self-sacrifice. Then for a contrasting conclusion, not condemnation, but justification. Paul makes this point by saying the gift cannot be compared to the sin, verse 16. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. The results are polar opposites of Jesus and Adam. The one sin of one man brought condemnation to all, yet Christ, as God's gift, covers many sins and brings justification. The language is that of conclusions reached in a law court. In Adam, all are rightly declared guilty with the penalty of death, whereas all in Christ are justified, that is, declared to be innocent. As a result, they face no punishment and so free from death. Meaning there is a contrast of control in people's life, not by death, but in life. Adam's trespass gave death the chance to rule or threaten all people. But consider the carefully the contrast here in verse 17. Because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of Christ and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. It's You see, Paul's contrast here is not swapping one master, death for another life. As good as that would be. No, in Christ, Paul is saying people have a role to rule in life. That is, over death. Life here is shorthand for the coming age. So Paul really does emphasise the superiority and abundance of Christ. His gracious gift of righteousness means people can be right with God. Yet there is an implied warning here in the language. For it is clear this is not automatic for all. It is only for those who receive this abundant provision. Uh, thinking about fires can help us understand. The last couple of years in Australia, we have had some massive fires. Huge areas of land have been burned and devastated. Indeed, in one fire, people were trapped on a beach, camping on the beaches. But eventually, even there, they were under danger And the Navy had to come and evacuate them. Sadly, often these fires are caused by somebody deliberately lighting them. A small spark that leads to destruction of property and life. And such actions are, of course, rightly condemned. Contrast this with men and women who fight these fires We heard stories on the TV, on the news, of them doing so at huge risk to themselves. Sacrificial actions, sometimes even costing their own houses. And sadly, some even died. Adam's sin is like the spark that starts a great fire. Christ giving of himself is like the effort and sacrifice to put it out. Without him, we are ruled by death. With his help, we can have hope. And so we see this in the contrast of character, the conclusion and the control of these two leaders of humanity. It emphasises the superiority of Christ over Adam. And this surely causes us or calls us to celebrate Christ. Yes, we might think it is unfair that in Adam we are by nature sinners. Yet Christ more than answers this condition. So, if you are here tonight and you are feeling in despair or fearful, if you are feeling you cannot escape your own actions, if there is nothing good in store for you, is your thought, or you lack assurance, then this is a passage for you. No amount of sin is too much, grace overflows. It is abundant. God has given Jesus as the gift to help us deal with our sin and our shame. In this we have the hope of being made righteous, of even being kings and queens in the age to come, ruling in life. We can gain more than what was lost in Adam. Far better to belong to Christ's humanity than remain in Adam's. We are in Adam by birth. And so we all face the reality of death. We are only in Christ if we accept the gift of rebirth as God works in us. So I need to ask, will you receive the gift that is being offered? It requires confessing your condition and trusting in Christ in seeing that his death was in place of yours and then living for Christ and his ways instead of Adam's. Individually, then, we have good reason to celebrate Christ. But what does it mean for us, for you as a church? It means Christ must be honoured in everything here, in the singing, in the reading, in the prayers. And it must not be that the leaders or programs are central here. No, Christ must be central. Leaders must be calling people to celebrate Jesus, not themselves to follow him, not them, to be healthy churches as our brother spoke about. And this brings us to the last idea in the passage and the call to consider the consequences in Adam or Christ as Paul speaks in more detail. Uh, Paul in verses 18 to 21 really summarises as he draws his argument to a close. If above was a contrast of Adam and Christ, now he compares the two. For with Both, belonging to them, bring significant consequences. It starts with the prize on offer, possible salvation. Look at verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. The comparison here is one act of both men and the result it has on all people. Adam's is a trespass or offence, the language of deliberate sin and this brings condemnation to all people. Christ's act is that of righteousness, referring to his death for all and it brings justification to all who receive the gift. So in Adam all deservedly get guilty as their declaration and are condemned whereas in Christ all undeservedly are declared right with God and this salvation points to the people we are our situation in verse 19 for as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous here the point is to compare what adam and christ make people through disobedient adam makes people sinners This compares to the effect of Christ's obedience, which Paul says will result in people being made righteous. So in Adam, all are by nature sinners, yet in Christ, all are righteous. That is, transformed to be what they have been declared to be. A situation that leads to a promise for us or an anticipation of what is to come. You see, momentarily in verse 20, Paul digresses to deal with the place of the Israelite law, knowing he's speaking to a mixed church. He says whilst this law is good, its effect was to actually increase him. Look at verse 20. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. Not that it causes it, but it shows it up, like a spotlight on a stain, or by the temptations it brings, like what you feel when you see a wet paint sign. Wonderfully, though, grace is in oversupply to deal with this. Where sin increased, Paul says, grace abounded all the more. Now, the comparison comes as something reigns in both Adam and in Christ. Verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life, Through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, in Adam death reigns, but in Christ grace through righteousness reigns unto life eternal. So in Adam, people are under a tyrant ruler of sin and with it death, whereas in Christ as Lord they can anticipate eternal life. It actually reminded me of when I first travelled overseas. Of course, at that stage I needed to get my Australian passport to travel and that was a fairly simple matter as it was my right by birth. But because I was heading to Europe, I also applied for a British passport. This was something I could do because my father was born in England. But this took special application. It took some time to be approved and it was quite expensive. In the end, I was pleased that I was granted it and it now stated I was a British citizen, even though I had never been to England. It is much the same as what Paul puts before people here. By birth, you are in Adam and belong to his humanity, with this under sin and death. Yet like my father entitled me to take up new citizenship, so does Christ. In him you can belong to a new humanity, a place you've never been to before. And salvation is the prize that is on offer. It changes our situation and the people we are. And it leads to an anticipation of what is promised for us. You need to choose who you want to belong to. In saying this though, you need to recognise your starting point. You are not born neutral and you choose Adam or Christ. You are by nature in Adam and so under the rule of sin and death. This is why we try to avoid death and find it threatens and hurts us. It is proof of condemnation and sin. It is an intruder that steals from us what God intended. Our starting point, however, doesn't need to be our ending point. You have a choice to reject or to receive the gift that Jesus offers. Receive it and you can enjoy salvation and a new situation. With this you can have the anticipation of all the good that lies ahead. Remember, Paul is not saying that this is something that all will enjoy. Some might argue this from looking at verse 18, but they ignore what has been said elsewhere, that all are sinners and so in Adam, whereas there is many in Christ, but not all without exception. It is those who belong to him, which comes by receiving Christ's work as a gift. That is trusting Christ's death in your place. And this is something that was even true for Father Abraham. Have a look at Romans 4. Yet while it's not saying everyone will be saved, clearly in Paul's mind and the passage before us, it is extensive. This gives hope to all of us, And urges us to say yes to the gift. It also spurs us on to evangelism as a church and as individuals. Remember though, it is grace that gives assurance. And that is why Paul finishes this passage with, Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when you stumble or when you doubt, look to him and what he has done. He died, he lives and he rules to ensure that all who trusting in him will enjoy that too. If you find that hard, troubled by what you see in the world, there is help. There is a better world to come for all who trust Christ. Sin, suffering, pain and death will not rule there. Instead, it will be grace that reigns in an overflowing manner and those in Christ will inherit such life. We do not experience it yet. But it will come, my friends. This is one party, one celebration Sunday that you don't want to miss out on. In the end today, this passage is a call to choose well. You may have come tonight as undecided on Jesus. That is okay. Biblical faith is not meant to be blind. But be aware of where you stand. Death in this life. And then judgment is coming. Today is a good day to choose to trust Jesus and receive his gift. Recognise what we have seen Paul say in this passage. Adam is the head of humanity. In that sense, all in him, mankind was lost. Christ is a head of humanity in the sense that in him, mankind was saved. You automatically belong by birth to Adam And what that brings. But you can by God's grace. Belong to Christ. And what he brings. This will impact your life. And Romans 6 when you get to it. Will start to show that. For now though I implore you. I call you all. To confess your condition in Adam. Celebrate the contrast in Christ. And consider the consequences. Of being in Adam or in Christ. That you might choose well who you belong to. Let me pray. Father, we confess that in Adam we are all sinners and deserving of death. Yet we also celebrate tonight the gift of a life that is offered to us in Jesus. Help us who trust Jesus to know this well, that we might live it out and have anticipation of what is to come. Help all those here tonight that are not believers to choose well that they would choose to be in Christ. May it be all of us leave tonight with greater awareness and assurance of what you give to us in the gospel of the Lord Jesus. In his name we ask. Amen.